Jordan, I got a, I got a quick question for you. Quick question. What's what? You ready for this? Are you I aware? Know. I know. Are you aware that this is the 100th episode of this particular podcast? Do you believe it? Uh, that sounds like too many. Yeah. We should have just thrown the towel a long time ago. <laughs> These guys are, in fact, still yapping. <laughs> you like that bit? Yes, it's growing on me. Yeah. yeah, okay, I'll keep doing it. Every time I go into Rob's Twitch channel when he's live, I just say, is this guy still yapping? Yeah. And it wasn't really, like, funny. I think it, for a while it just wasn't getting much of a pop. And now that I just I keep trying to beat that dead horse, people are playing off of it every time I say it. <laughs> this is going to be my, my thing for a while. He is indeed still young. I mean, it's like that's what I've turned this my whole life now. All It's all I do now. It's all I do is I'm just yapping all the time. I'm over here, yeah. on other platforms, I can't get enough. You're a yapper. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, 100 episodes. That's wild. It is wild. And uh, to kick off the 100th episode, we have got friend of the show, Dwight Rhinoceros of the Eat the Rich podcast joining us. It was a great centennial. It was a great 100th episode. <laughs> great conversation to kick this off. Mm-hmm. The new era. Yeah, it's fun. It's amazing to think back the kind of journey that, that has, <laughs> we've gone on since beginning this show and how drastically different I think uh, the world uh, is based on the one we were kind of imagining at that moment when we first started uh, doing this show. It's been it's been really surreal to to spend the last two years, hundred episodes, uh, covering all these various twists and turns. I can't say I'm I predicted that we would be uh, where we are now, um, but it's been uh, it's been highly enjoyable to to follow along with all the all the craziness, all the nonsense on this oh. very program. I was going through our episodes. My partner was asking about our our listenership and early episodes, just to kind of see how, what what level of listenership we started at. So I went through our stats just to see where we were when it began. <laughs> I was like looking through the episode descriptions, and episode eleven, <laughs> it's yeah. March seventeenth, twenty twenty. It was Anna Kasparian was our guest, and it was like. We're back, broadcasting from our self-quarantines. <laughs> yeah. Like how naive we were thinking like, oh, we're going to be inside for a couple weeks. Isn't this crazy? Here we yeah. are, year three. It's like, God, make it fucking stop. I know. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember we did an episode with the Antifada um, early on. Like, I think it was the first time we mentioned coronavirus because I'd been trying to pretend that it wasn't happening. And that was getting <laughs> to the point where it's like, well, what's this? What's going on with this? This could be some kind of an issue. Uh-huh. Uh, this might this might turn into something potentially. Uh, this is like right before New York City like went under lockdown and was like when everything kind of uh, everything kind of shifted. But it's been high, highly enjoyable doing this show. Really appreciate everyone that's kind of stuck with us uh, through all this. And if you have enjoyed the show, if you've gotten something out of it, one thing that you can do is subscribe to the podcast. We've got a number. We've done a number of really cool bonus episodes. Over the last couple of weeks, we had a frenemy of the show, Ken Klippenstein, last week. We had uh, Ryan Grimm a few weeks ago. We had Derek Davison. Ellie Valley. Ellie Valley, of course, the Ellie Valley episode. Really good stuff. Yeah, our premium episodes have been really good lately. I would say worth the $5 a month or 55 a year. You get a, you get a little, little bit of a discount if you subscribe yeah. at a yearly rate. Yeah, and we have been talking also about uh, you know maybe shifting those back into overdrive. We always we started doing the show um, as a two times a week thing. We've had to kind of adjust that over the years uh, as you know very, the way various things have turned out. We're both kind of interested in, in uh, getting back to that schedule. Uh, but if you're that's something you're interested in, please subscribe to the show. Yes, yeah. The more I mean, we the listenership is. I don't know. I'm critical of like everything I do, but it's surprising. I, I looked like just to see where we fall in the broader podcasting world. And sure, it's you know an oversaturated market, but apparently, like we're we're in the top one percent of listenership. So I think we need to make some changes around the office, yeah. like just to fit our new one percenter aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. 
we could give the interns some kind of a pay raise. No, let's not. Mm-mm, no, let's not go down. No, I think we need to more make more aesthetic changes to the office. Yeah, if I think people... that's, <laughs> that'd probably be no, better. but for real, we really appreciate when when you subscribe because you know that makes it you know less necessary for us to do like side gigs and other work. Then we could focus more on this because this is what we really want to be doing and with that shows there's a demand for more content more stuff and that would free us up to do that kind of stuff so some of the ideas we've been kicking around uh, in addition to more premium episodes i'd love to do more deep one-on-ones with people who are doing uh, exciting things in the world that you guys care about and that would allow us to do that that we wouldn't need to you know spend as much time in the content mills elsewhere the dreaded content mines yes I just, I'm just used Rob to is it getting now. content lung, so please, please <laughs> hurry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's all. We don't, we don't have a big intro or anything, any big thing planned, or any, you know, we don't, we're not going to do a clip show or any of these, uh, anything really that crazy. We just wanted to uh, check in with the listeners of the show, say thank you to everyone that's been uh, enjoying the the podcast over the last two plus years, hundred episodes. And um, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Dwight Rhinoceros. And is that all? Do we want to just kick it, kick it to Dwight? You could subscribe at the show at <laughs> theinsurgents.substack.com. We didn't tell them where to subscribe. Still, eventually, by episode 200, <laughs> I'm going to figure this out. Uh-huh. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get now to our chat with Dwight Rhinoceros. Another really good one. We love Dwight. We appreciate him. He's going to be joining the show right after this. It's amazing that there was a time that like Chevy Chase was like the top comedy guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was the A-lister. It's hard to believe. The kids today don't understand what the, this time, but it's true. You know, and I mean, it was well deserved. You know, you you fail out of Stevie Dan, and then you follow yourself into a career that gives you a net worth of fifty million dollars. Yeah. Did you say Stevie Dan? Was that Steely? Did I say that? no? I, I said <laughs> yeah. Steely Dan. Oh boy, said St- Stevie Dan. <laughs> Hey, man, changing you know that. Stevie Dan? I'm changing the episode title to Stevie Dan. <laughs> that's great. I'm trying. Jordan has yet to take the Dan pill. That's a, that's a bit of a tougher nut to crack. I've been trying to Dan pill. Fucking now, boomer music. <laughs> look, look, Jordan, I know that what? you have a very refined well-defined, yes. yeah, very well-defined palette, and you know what you like, and that's admirable. And there's there's like a real clarity in that that I uh, that I envy a lot. That being said, Steely Dan, it's... I know Dwight knows about it's this. It's a calling. <laughs> I mean, it's really a calling. I remember I remember being in, like, I hadn't heard this track before. And, you know, you know, Donald Fagan's voice is pretty unique, and so it's easy to pick out. But I was in, like, a, a coffee shop or something at, like, literally 5.30 in the morning. It was a few years back. And they were playing Third World Man Ooh. by Steely Dan. And I was like... I've never heard music before I heard this song. And wow, they I mean That's just some one. talent some talented guys. Some yep. talented guys. I not not pop stars as far as their looks went. Uh definitely the guys at the end of the hallway at, you know, that didn't smell so great in the dorm at Bard and they were, you know, they're doing their thing and they're yeah. you know putting down what would be like the framework for like pop jazz and and rock and stuff for like the next 40 years but you know a little uh, nerdy i think you could say that's fair well that's why i love all the characters that populate those fagan and and becker songs they're all like weird losers and like uh, you know what a shame about me (laughs) yeah shame i love that my dan obsession became so intense uh a couple months back that you know because i'm streaming every day now and yes. like people got so sick of it, he had to, he had to plug that. Yeah, we had to institute a Dan ban. So now oh, it's like man. when I when I start talking about it. No, no, no. All right, L- lips are sealed. Out. We'll have our we'll meet at our secret society. We'll do our secret handshake. Yeah. Um, and then we'll uh, you know, 
bless the uh, birthday of Donald Fagan yeah. and the late Walter Becker. Now I know you love that shit. That's why. I, that's why I brought up Steve Gadd. Steve for some you, reason. Bl- uh, who's talking about Steve Gadd on a Monday evening? Exactly. We're talking about Steve Gadd. Yeah. Fucking yeah, in 2022. <laughs> Nobody's doing this. We're doing this. Yeah, this is the cutting edge of podcasting. Steve Gadd, man. We're gonna. Be, we're gonna next time we're gonna be talking about Leland Sklar. Look that one up. <laughs> oh boy. Look that one up. Yeah. God, what a what a gem, man! All the, the and, and and it's also a dying breed of like these like you know incredible masters of their craft and their musicianship and stuff. It just it sucks that it's going, uh, you know, out the door. All these kids now with their Snapchatting yeah. and their vaping and all that yeah. stuff. They Pop don't know what punking. it's like. Punking. Yeah. Pop punking. That's right. <laughs> pop punking. Nothing wrong with pop punk. I know. I come. Okay. I'm, I'm a pop punk guy as well. Nothing I'm wrong a, with it. I'm both a Steely Dan guy. And a pop punk guy. Inside you, there are two wolves. This <laughs> is <laughs> you know. That's right. That's right. And Wait, one of those right. middle aged. Yeah, hit me with it. Have you have you ever heard Rob's pop punk? I I, I mean, is there, do we have a proprietary album in the works or something? No, no, no. I mean, it's been out for a while. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know you that. You know, Rob was a pop punk like icon in Canada. Stop. <laughs> Swear to God. Rob. This is getting deep into the lore here. Yeah. Yeah, or this is a deep Rob cut. I'm into yeah. it. What, what what was the uh the lyrics content and all that stuff? Was it like let's, you know maybe let's not die. No, let's too get deeply. into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into too it. It's, a hun- into it's the hundredth episode. It's great. It's the hundredth episode of the yeah. podcast. Yeah, I yeah. was gonna say, you know, I'm not a mathematician. I don't have a abacus. I don't th- you know, I don't study multivariable calculus, but I'm I am i am I know enough to read some numbers. And yeah. I saw that it was your hundredth episode, and I said, "They're asking me to come on for a hundred episodes. What an honor! Congratulations, gents. Thank you. Well, and we thought there's we no did. one better. Yeah, there's no one better to have. Oh, you're kind. Figure. There was actually we actually reached out to someone else first, and they couldn't do it. So we yeah, no, no. and and that's their loss. <laughs> get that's their on, loss. Get Dwight on the line, I guess. Their loss is my when you when you need a guy to come in the clutch. <laughs> he's pretty, and come on and talk he's probably about doesn't have anything else going on right session now, musicians but. from the 1970s through the 1990s. You call Dwight. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. And to uh, bite his tongue when they talk about things that would otherwise be actionable <laughs> later on in the uh, subject material. Of course, I was oh, just re-listening fine. to your Sackler episode. Last night oh, on the way fuck. back from New York, and it was yeah. Just I mean, I think the suggestions you guys had for adequate punishment really just wasn't enough. It falls short. It, it felt falls, very insufficient. And and, and we've evolved <laughs> since then. I think you know we've consulted with a, our legal team mm-hmm. and uh, you know other sorts of people within the criminal justice system, and thought that you know I think we can be a little bit more pointed, a little bit more direct. <laughs> yeah. Um, pointy, in fact, or you know perhaps. Uh, very deep, perhaps like a deep hole or a deep well that one might find themselves nearby. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to to cut this. Um, maybe cut this. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting because we we often talk about when we tie when we compare other countries and we apparently like the United States, Canada, these Western liberal democracies rank very high in the freedom index because we have freedom of speech yeah, and we're able right. to go out and say all kinds of stuff, but. Oddly enough, sometimes when it's like we talk about, you know, just as an example, people like the Sackler family and maybe just some of the basic ideas we have for like what sort of a a justice might look like uh, for a family such as this. All of a sudden, we have to be very careful Isn't and you can amazing? find yourself in all kinds of trouble just by oh, <laughs> just having a small discussion, a free exchange of ideas, so-called, about this can all of a sudden <laughs> land you in all kinds of hot water. So- mm-hmm. How's mm-hmm. that for your free speech? No, we live in America, damn it. And if you want to say beep, 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 all the things I just said were about the Sacklers. Yeah, that's I, right. I, there's not enough, like... You can get canceled, th- ironically. <laughs> Please, somebody cancel me. Put me out of my misery. Yeah. Have the, you guys watched the, that Dope Sick show? No. Not that I not haven't. that you're unfamiliar with them or what they've done, but I, I just started watching it last week, and it's... You know, for some shows, like I recently watched the Pam and Tommy one. I don't know. Hulu has like a bunch of interesting miniseries that I didn't realize. Like I watched the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos one. And then I said, oh, yeah, I watched Dope Sick. And with the other ones, I'd watch a couple episodes a night. This one, it's like one and done. Like almost every time. I just, I can't do it. Because at the end of every episode, I'm just like, I want them to. And then if Rob wants to put in like a (laughs) little beep noise there. Beep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing. It's like I don't, I don't think yeah, you you can sort of look at the numbers when it comes to like the number of people that have been uh, affected by either you know who have died or who have lost family members or friends or whoever their lives ruined through the you know opioid ec- epidemic. You can look at the numbers, but like I don't think you. Re- it's really difficult to wrap your mind around the 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 level of violence, the level of like depravity that has been visited upon people from this family that it's like again there there there's other people involved of course but like the fact that they're still just kind of like able to wander around freely go to restaurants go on their yacht or whatever it's just like it's truly unfathomable when you really when you try to wrap your mind around the the absolute depths of uh of horror that they've unleashed uh in our society with completely zero consequences there's no restorative justice that we could possibly do now without like a time machine like the, the, it's it's too it's too undoable like there's nothing that could even you know any amount of um redaction that could like that like that won't even help you we would simply need a time machine to go back and undo all of this because it's just so total and it's like you know every every i'm sure anybody that has you know, had uh, uh, issues with addiction or, um, you know, have no people that do family members or whatever. Like it's not just the individual that that, you know, is within that is experiencing the disease. It's the, the everyone around them that that interacts with them. And so the cost of it is like fucking incalculable. Like, you know, like with covid, too, it's like, you know, it's a well, okay, over a million dead and all that stuff. Obviously, that's undercounted, but like everybody else, fathers, mothers, siblings that are that like leave this gaping hole within a family. In fact, in fact, there was one of the metrics we reported on on Eat the Rich was like one in four covid deaths result in a fucking orphan. One in four creates an orphan. Like every every single like in and and with the opioid crisis is very similar, right? It's just like the the amount of destruction is so total and like so awesome in in its uh you know in its scope. It's just a- a- unbelievable that yeah, like you said, that these people feel emboldened to like get outside of their home. The, you know, like it, they should be in a bunker or something like that. <laughs> like it's sick. It's sick. They're well, sick be- individuals. Beyond the, you know, like the overdose deaths, which are easy to quantify, it's also, you know, all, like you're saying, it's 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 other things. It's the the crime that was committed to fuel their addiction. It was after oxycotton was altered and made more um, difficult to abuse, switching to different like harder drugs um you know like obviously you saw like an uptick in heroin use oh, and yeah. these things like i just it's 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 tough i saw it firsthand um cuz i yeah. i was i did oxy when i was younger and mm-hmm. i did it with a bunch of friends and you know friends died but then like after it went away it was you know they switched to heroin and then it's yeah. like you know fent enters the equation and then they overdose from fent like you could draw yeah. a through line between the sacklers and you know, fent overdoses, but like that's much more harder to track in a very clean, quantifiable way. So like you're saying, like the effects are still all around us. It's 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 harder to pinpoint them, but they are absolutely the causes. And people just want now we're just blaming China. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and they're different, too. Like, you know, obviously, you know, we I do a lot of research. We, we do a lot of research on the show for, um, you know, understanding how these maladies are performed on us. And like the Sacklers to me stand out because they are like a, a cast of individuals, whereas with like, you know, let's let's say like a, you know, a Northrop Grumman or, or, or a Raytheon or something like that. The beneficiaries are like typically just a series of 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 large institutional investors and stuff who are like less hard to kind of pinpoint exactly who it is. And that becomes like, you know, obviously opens up to a larger systemic uh you know, dissection of, of, of where the fault lies. But like with these people, they're fucking grotesque individuals that like are out in the open and have and have uh, 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 um, enshrouded themselves in like, you know, the philanthropy, the entire industry of which is bullshit, <laughs> like and making sure that they launder their reputations to their weird fucking, you know, fop and dandy cohorts that they uh, cavort within. Fuck them. 
man, fuck them. It's one thing that um, you tell yourself that as the sort of the climate crisis becomes like exponentially worse and we start really like see it, we're already seeing the effects of it, obviously. But once that starts to really even drastically escalate even more, you tell yourself that like, um, you know, this will not be normal. Like people will be galvanized into action by this. And not only, not only will they be galvanized to action, but they'll be uh, desperate to hold the people like responsible, uh, the people that, that caused this. And as much as we can talk about our sort of consumer culture or like Western lifestyle, capitalist uh, uh, excess as the cause of it, there's, you know, there's specific oil companies that deliberately covered this stuff up that knew exactly what was going on. And yeah. still, we still continue to, to uh, base our whole society around fossil fuels. Despite all this, they, they muddied up the evidence that they themselves discovered. They funded, you know, far right news outlets to question the validity of the their own scientists um, and made it impossible for for us to respond to it in any way. So you tell yourself like uh, as this situation gets worse, people are going to be really like uh, they're going to demand some kind of justice. Um, but that's one inescapable conclusion. I think of the last couple of years is that there's no level of sort of death and violence that won't kind of be become just kind of background noise, whether it's the opioid right. ep- epidemic, whether it's COVID um, and the ways that we know for sure that like specific individuals corporations have d- directly or political figures have directly contributed to to all the misery and with seemingly no consequence and you know the more that the, the body count racks up the more and more people just seem to want to just ignore it and it kind of doesn't give me a ton of hope that as climate climate change continues to get worse and escalate that people are all of a sudden going to decide to start you know uh really being mobilized into the kind of mass action that needs to to combat it because it just seems like there's we've got this whole system in place that's designed to um kind of shield shield any of these powerful people from any of these consequences and to completely sort of normalize all this uh extraordinary uh violence and misery and death and just kind of distract everyone else with with you know uh jangling keys in front of people's faces about you know the oscars or whatever oh which, we, God, right. which we ourselves contribute to on the show well because uh, it's just depressing if, it's a depressing uh, thought you know i re-listened to that one too this weekend and i thought it was funny brett Ehrlich, who was our guest that week talked about how that was just a moment where he was so excited to unplug just oh yeah, a yeah. mindless story we can just the just celebs, consume yeah. to our heart's desire we needed that <laughs> yeah Need a little respite. I mean, you know, I think about this a lot. Like, what, even just like in my personal life, if if there's a an acutely difficult thing that I'm gonna have to do, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you know, just that I have to do this afternoon, or you know, in the in in a week or something like that, and it's just gonna suck. And I know I have to go through it. One of the kind of kind of head spaces that I try to put myself in is to say, just imagine yourself after that task and is, aren't you going to feel the relief and you're not going to worry you're not going to have any of this worry that you're having right now because a little past or something like that and i i use that same kind of like tool when i think about uh imagine ourselves 20 years from now and, and let's just say or 15 years or freaking five years from now or something when we are you know experiencing the logarithmic increases of the 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 uh, effects of climate change and the horrors that we're going to endure, like the horrors that we're seeing now. You know, fires in the Amazon rainforest, fires in Australia, fires in the uh, in in the American West. Um, you know, 120 degrees in freaking Sardinia or whatever it was like a year or two ago in uh, you know the Mediterranean. And you ask yourself, and I ask myself, I'm like, I kind of use that same tool, and I'm like. If I know that those are the things that I'm going, the, the, the pains that I'm going to incur, incur then, what would I wish my current self would do to take action to mitigate those ills later on? And, you know, when we kind of look at who are the, the individuals and who are the system, what are the systems and what's the apparatus that is a disallowing us from you know affecting any change, and B like benefiting from from the systemic uh, destruction of our planet, however short sighted it is. You know, it starts to uh, get into a conversation where you really we I certainly am not willing to talk about on your program because it's like you can see 
who the individuals are that are that are, you know, holding up these processes, even just like in the acute spaces. And, I, you know, like, if, for example, Joe Manchin or whatever, you know, and it's just like it's so egregious and it's so like this is just like such a clear example right in front of us being like this guy or and, and you know, other individuals like him and stuff like that are are directly contributing to benefiting from and 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 halting any of like the 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 change from that apparatus of like a fossil fuel based industry and uh oh boy you know not not great to think about hey these people are you know living their lives and 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 thriving and you know sitting on a $800,000 yacht and all that stuff driving a Maserati it's like hang on millions are going to die like it's it's like a a freaking credit card you know they 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 pay now you know you 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 can buy the thing now and you'll have to pay later but in this case the millions of people that are going to die you know are going to be uh not him not them right there's going to be the most marginalized people in this society and what kind of a place do we would we want to be if they're allowed to function like this it's simply unconscionable to me uh i'm sure you both saw that the polling data that showed uh, how Gen Z across a variety of different demographics just have over the past couple of years just increasingly reported more and more just despondency. Did you guys see this? Uh, I don't know if I saw that exact one, but uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised by that result. That's yeah, I, sure. yeah, it was like, you know, highest for again, not surprising uh, members of the LGBTQIA plus community. And then, you know, um, marginalized groups and women and the very lowest it was like men like white guys but just like yeah yeah that just kind of reflects just the modern breakdown and how people are marginalized in our society but like across the board gen z are just mostly just totally checking out and then uh separately there was a political store uh, politico story this weekend that showed that the approval rating for gen z and millennial voters and just the total just disconnect from younger voters with the Biden administration is really at an all-time I guess the disconnect's at an all-time high, but the enthusiasm's at, an, at a, a, a steep, steep low. Yeah. And, you know, people, all the Democrats and, you know, party leader, like, what, what do we do? It's like, I literally do anything to address the future. I mean, they're all going to be, they're all going to be gone. And we've got, right. you know, people like Biden who doesn't seem to care and Manchin who's standing in the way. Yep. And meanwhile, people are getting arrested for protesting you know, coal plants in in, in mm-hmm. West Virginia this weekend. People mm-hmm. are trying. People are showing you what they want. Listen to them. And they just don't care because they're not going to be here to face the consequences. You you may be familiar, um, you know, with this study that I think about a lot. I was, believe it's from 2014 by professors Gillins and Page from uh, Princeton and Northwestern, respectfully. Please and, cite this in APA format the rest of the show. Yeah, no, happy to do if that. We're gonna start, if we're going to start invoking academic I'm, journal articles. I'm, uh, I'm extremely smart uh, and went to extremely prestigious private institutions, so I should be able nice. to do this. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I literally graduated with a 2.0. Um, okay, it was <laughs> you know, a 2.07. It shows. It shows. I know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and see, look, look at me now. Uh, <laughs> so this... This th- what this study said basically was it was they 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 set out to quantify which is difficult to do but quantify the um, the marriage between uh, public opinion that is to say what the public wants and uh, public policy that is to say you know what the government you know enacts within legislation and they look specifically at uh, uh, congressional bills passed as well as matched up to public opinion. And what it shows is that there is a statistically insignificant correlation between what the public wants and what the public gets. Congress, the you know, the 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 funders that that own uh, you know, the politicians and all that stuff, um, have basically no need for the input of of the everyday, you know, working class American and uh and and there is a statistically insignificant correlation between those two things. We don't say shit. We they they do nothing that we want. And so it it just it makes sense to me. And and also when we were talking about this on the latest Patreon episode, and I maybe to no one's surprise got a bit impassioned about it, which was like <laughs> it was like I had this idea that I, that I really didn't have like 
I, it's hard for me to flesh it out, but I, I thought about it like this way. Like America post-World War II was a very specific time. Like America only existed once. It was just like this this one very specific time period post-World War II where, you know, it was it was just after, you know, one of the most catastrophic failures of capitalism, of, of our political economy, right, and the, the Great Depression and all that stuff. We had some shreds of social democracy with, you know, jobs program, welfare, uh, you know, uh, welfare programs, Medicare and, and Social Security, all that stuff. Which they put in place when they saw what happens in Russia when you don't actually Correct. Uh, uh, take these steps. Correct. To- which is there's a the great spot between some of the vertebrae up at the uh, the cervical neck that um, it's, a, it's a nice it's a nice spot that people were able to find, yeah. and uh, it got some political results out of it. <laughs> but like, and and you know after World War II it just became this large kind of like megalith of of industrial uh, you know growth that that ended at the end of the 70s and and the in the beginning of the 80s with like you know the advent of of neoliberalism championed especially by Ronald Reagan. So like now for it's all the same, the literally the same people that have existed in in those power structures. And, and like we talked about, like, you know, it's like it's like all these fuckers that we still see their same names pop up here and there. You know what I'm saying? And and um, and they just still exist. And th- the gerontocracy who govern us. You know, and like the managerial class, and I, I, I'm mostly like looking at the at the Democrats because you know they, uh, it's like just the same kind of like doctrine of like you don't know any better, but we're kind of the smart ones, so just do what we say, all right? And they they have no interest in letting go of that power, even the in the fact that like Joe Biden's 79, Nancy Pelosi is 80, 81. 82 maybe just 80 but yeah. it's like yeah, 82 she's fucking 82 oh my god she just had a birthday um Happy birthday. we sent her actually a big room full of roses when that yeah. great, birthday great. So. No, that, that's, that's where that's all wonderful. the sub money went so thank you everyone for subscribing <laughs> insurgents.substack.com at least you, you at least you picked a flower with a thorn on it so you know it, it's just like they don't want to let go of it they're going to die soon, like empirically, like statistically, they're not going to be around. And like even just cynically, they don't even want to leave a better, uh, 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 you know, a habitable planet for their progeny. No, because they're so fucking committed to the to the project of like keeping of keeping the the, the this mill turning our human suffering into profit and, and capital accumulation. It won't end. It won't end unless it is. Put to an end, I suppose, is a very nice way to put it. Oh, man. I I, I, I don't know. I, I read the article about how do they get younger people enthusiastic about the midterms. And they're like, uh, and they said, oh, well, the Democrats are turning to their Gen Z whisperer, who's some like mid 50s, like graying guy. Who's <laughs> are like, you serious? All the kids, all the kids love TikTok. Have you guys yeah. thought about that? And uh, OK, we're in good. They, hands. they literally yeah. hired fucking. Oh, I'm, I'm about <laughs> to look this up. But they literally like brought into White House meetings like on Zoom or whatever, like famous TikTokers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Lev Who, Parnas's son was. one of them. Yeah. They want to get the Ukraine oh talking God. points in order for uh-huh. the. That's right. It was the Ukraine talking. Yeah. Yeah, like, Gen Z. what are they? What are you fucking doing? What are you yeah. doing? Well, that's that's yeah, that's that classic like Democrat consultant uh, thing. It's amazing too because they're already ramping up a lot of this. A lot of this stuff, like there's that whole Twitter account that's like what Biden has done or whatever. Oh right, and they're kind of really trying to pass off this idea that like actually it has been this bold transformative agenda, and the, everyone that says it wasn't is just like gaslighting or they're not and it's just like it's it's really an amazing stretch and you know it's i don't know who they think that that's going to work on um you know it's kind of hard to imagine uh and again just this like this condescending attitude of like oh i guess you but i guess you want a unicorn as well and it's like literally like the future of the planet is kind of looking kind of murky at the moment and people they would like i think if i don't want to you know obviously i'm very young you two know that i'm like a, i'm also a super young person um but i think my uh, fellow young people well yeah but i think my fellow young people would probably like you know the most powerful most wealthiest country in the world to maybe look like they're actually doing something about that or anything um but that just hasn't really been 
uh, attempted. It seems like it seems like they've kind of just dropped any of the any pretense that they're going to be thinking about that. And Jordan, you sent me this piece today in Politico about how now that there's new, uh, you know, there's there's another round of talks on climate, I guess, um, coming up. And this is something we touched on in our last episode with uh, Ken Klippenstein. But when you talk about these like Democratic senators, such as Joe Manchin, who have just basically arbitrarily vetoed the entire Biden agenda that they campaigned on, that they convinced people to vote for them on. And we talked about like, you know, maybe there would be some, maybe they could actually, you know, do something and put pressure on Manchin or anyone else that's that's, uh, saying no to their agenda. I'd I'd like to put some pressure on Manchin. I'm I'm sure that you would, yeah. But then you have this piece, the new apparently the new White House rule, as outlined in this Politico story, is just don't ever talk about him. You can't talk about Manchin. It's gonna upset him. You can't upset yeah. him. Well, that Otherwise, was like the you might one say no to our agenda. Early on, when that we've talked about this before, but early on, when they were debating the first COVID relief bill after Biden took office, and Manchin was standing in the way, they sent Kamala Harris to West Virginia to barnstorm the state and use the bully pulpit to kind of, you know, knock them around and show that this is what West Virginians want. And <laughs> he got extremely mad. And we talked about we talked about this and we talked about Bernie's op-ed pissing yeah, him off. Yeah, op-ed. Oh, you boy. get a reaction out of him. But the thing is, like, it works. It seems to work. And they just never did it again. Wow. So I, I'm not sure what they what their strategy here is, if they even have one, with just... Ignoring him, not talking about him, not putting any, you know, pressure or trying to leverage that pressure uh, for political gain is it doesn't make any sense. They, they don't they don't want to win. Like what? <laughs> what like what? El- <laughs> what? What is the any other conclusion that you can come to? Like, you know, if you have the arrows in the quiver, but you don't take one out, like <laughs> then then you don't want to fight. You don't want to win. The, it, like, I, I don't know what else to say. They don't want it. Yeah. What's well, what I mean? It kind of seems like the whole, the fact that they won the Senate in the first place, they're kind of like, oh, f- shit. Like, now we have to, now they're going to expect us yeah. to do stuff. And it's been this very uncomfortable sort of like 18 month process of like trying to pretend like they do want to do things without actually accomplishing anything. And now they're simultaneously, they've done that. And now they're, they're getting all the excuses fired up and they're getting ready to blame everybody else but themselves for, um, you know, not... Uh, for the blame of anybody but themselves for whatever's about to happen happen next in but, this coming uh, election cycle. Well, when you put it like that, it starts to make a lot of sense of, of why Joe Manchin's position is important, because he's just a very useful tool. They had the, you know, they, they had the uh, um, the majority in the Senate, you know, including including Kamala Harris's vote as, as president of the Senate. Right. For the tie breaking votes. But but if you have a that sounded like. Jeff Goldblum. Ah, yeah, but but um, you th- but if you have him, you know, throwing the wrench in the spokes and be you know clogging up the gears and all this stuff. Well, my well, well, we can't do anything now. He he becomes actually quite powerful, right? Because he gets to be the problem. Oh, that mansion stick in the mud. Just can't you know? Just can't do it with him. And 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 then and then the conversation on MSNBC and the, in the larger neoliberal media. Uh, you know, ecosystem becomes like, well, if we well, we can't do anything because of this dang mansion thing. So sick and cynical. I can't believe it. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. And like we've talked about as well, it's like mansions kind of taken on the 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 villain role uh, for the Democratic Party for the to, to kind of the scapegoat. Um, if it's not him, it's been cinema. But then I think you have this idea that like, well, if we just vote harder, just vote harder next time. And if, you know, if we if we don't have enough votes, so if we get a couple more, then we'll be able to do the things. But like the the fundamental lesson from anyone that's been kind of watching this party over the last uh, 15, 20 years is that there is never enough. There's never going to be enough people. Um, there's right. always going to be a few people that are going to step to the plate to um, all of a sudden express their concerns about this, like right in this sort of. Uh, electoral cycle it's been mansion and kirsten cinema if they had you know under obama it was when they had 59 senators and a big massive majority in the house it was joe lieberman oh my god and if and if and if 
you know, if Joe Biden had another five Democratic senators to work with, there'd be other, there'd be, lo and behold, there'd be six or seven other Democrats that would have a big problem with this agenda. And like, eventually, that's it, this kind of grift of just, well, you just got to keep voting really hard, vote, voting blue really hard. Eventually, like, there's, that's going to have diminishing returns. And I think the, the extent to which they really sold people on this idea of how important it was that they get, uh, that people uh, vote for them for this agenda. Uh, in this previous uh, election against Trump and with the level of like the the complete lack of action that that's translated into, um, you know, it's I, I feel like this whole generation, they're pretty much just going to lose it permanently. And, yep. you know, there's it's that's going to have disastrous consequences. But it's like, I don't know who they're supposed to blame but themselves. You well, know, another I, thing that mansions in the way of and now that tax day is around the corner is this proposal, which I thought was, you know, a good start. Uh, the the proposal that we tax the ultra wealthy and instituting a, a billionaire tax and Whoa. yeah it seemed i like it right. and mansion is now saying no to that as well and it's yeah right right but so it's like you know that's not something that working class west virginians care about obviously his excuse for why he does the things that he does are just bullshit but it's always been framed like oh i just i have to you know look out for working class West Virginians and the, the you have that. And then you have cinema as they're now trying to revisit build back better. Cinema is now saying that she's going to, she's not on board with revisiting that. So to go back to the ro- rotating villain thing, it's just, they just kind of pass the buck and you can't really pin down one of them because the other one's just going to get in the way, but <laughs> you can't, you can't do anything. And it's ultimately to the benefit of the capitalist class. You know, <laughs> I love, I love like trying to, put myself in people's shoes and try to like understand like their thinking and stuff and i just like looked up out of curiosity what is joe manchin's net worth which is eh, depending on where you look it's somewhere between somewhere around 10 million between 7 and 12 so and i think not about, bad for a public uh, elected official hey that, well you, you what's work, the salary uh, yeah what's 175 yeah something like that for senate salary yeah, you know, i mean it's obviously just he's it's corrupt <laughs> he's corrupt but like uh you know if i had that money you would never ever hear my name again you would yeah. ne- like you would never yeah. see me you w- i would be gone peace goodbye uh, i why what fucking incentive would you have yeah, i've won i did it I, I have the money like i would like you know obviously and this is something we think a lot about like in um little personal exercises when you want to kind of determine what your values are and stuff like that is like well if you had unlimited resources what would you do and stuff and like i you know i and what we often find is like the money is really just our time, right? So, so the things that we're doing when we're not working, and they they often take not that much money. Like I would hike the Appalachian Trail. Like I that that is something that I would love to do. It takes three months. I can't afford not to make a capitalist rich for three months because I need the wages to pay off credit cards. <laughs> and like, but if you had ten million, like, why would you ever be seen again? Just go, go, go fishing. And spend do go spend time with your family, go like whittle or something like that. Like what the fuck? Why gum up the the gears of the the like the the, the existence of humanity? It's so frustrating. He's in it for love of the game, he is. He, but that's like it, there must be some like sick fucked up shit that happened to him in his childhood that like he needs this like ideological drive for like the it's I am not satisfied until I am personally responsible for the deaths of 100 million humans or something. <laughs> yeah. It's actually why I really enjoy that that show Succession. Mhm. Um because it allows you to kind of like just live vicariously through this like extremely wealthy and opulent uh lifestyle which none of us will ever be able to like yeah. uh, achieve in our own lives but it also shows you that these people no matter what level of like material wealth they have are still just completely miserable all the time which is, you can take away that small sense of satisfaction yeah that any of these people that do have the ability to uh you know at any time buy a fucking private island somewhere just disappear forever and never have to do anything again they're not wired like that they're right. wired to just like uh continue accumulating and which requires continually like uh you know jettisoning whatever element of like human empathy that you might have once had jumping over you know stepping over people to get there you know they're all just miserable all the time so yeah 
That's fun. That's can, fun to remember. Can I do my Kendall Roy impression? Yeah, please. Hear it. Yeah. All right. It's it's very short. It just goes okay. Just picture him in in your mind. Um. Yeah. Uh. Okay. That's it. Nice. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's like he's here on the recording yeah. with us. Yeah. Look at that. No problem. Hey, Dad. Boy. Hey, Dad. Jerry. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does Dad know? It's <laughs> great. That's good. Hey, I'm assuming about, uh, you have Elon to watch Musk? the show to get it. You probably did. It helps. Yeah. I recommend it though. It's very enjoyable. I like it a lot. Um, let's talk about Elon Musk though. That's kind oh, of fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we love him. Yeah. He's man. I mean, he's but he's he's got it, man. I mean, he, look, look, look around. He's winning. He's he he is like the most. It's like if you distilled like all of the American project of like capital accumulation and but 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 the 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 specific grifting fabricated you know uh fucking um ghost town way that like we do it he's he's distilled all of that and embodied it he's he's scammed he's like I, I I think I can I can I can describe him as the following he's like one of the most prolific con artists of all time yeah like we, like we will study this for decades until we're dead and you know we're boiling seawater but like you know it's it we're just he's incredible at it it's a total fucking joke and he it is it, he doesn't turn it off i saw i saw a tiktok with him recently where he was like being followed around like a spacex hangar or something like that by some dweeb that's Jeffrey epstein <laughs> <laughs> is that the guy was that, was that a different it, maxwell it was that's his friend yeah not recently um okay but uh, sorry my mistake <laughs> and and this dweeb was like following him like with his camera recording being like so what do you think is going to be the next uh problem or the next big thing or something like that and he elon musk is like they're walk he's walking you know a few steps ahead of the guy with the camera and just laconically just like doesn't say anything just doesn't say anything and and then after a few moments the guy tries to ask him again, like, hey, what what do you think is going to be the next? And he says nothing. And then a second or two passes. And then Elon Musk just goes, sorry, like, oh, I'm sorry. I was lost in thought. Were you saying something? And the implication was like, he's so he's so yeah, he's so yeah. cerebral. He's so <laughs> in his own head. And and the comments on TikTok, like the, the like 100,000 likes on the comment and shit is like, man, wouldn't it be amazing to know what he was thinking about? Yeah. And it's like, don't, it just, just, do, you, do you see it's a fucking scam? It's just that bird drinking from the glass of water. But he's, but he's, he's measuring, he is brilliant in the sense that he's measuring the perfect second. He's an actor, like the perfect second to say, hey, when am I going to, what am I, how am I going to uh, handle this? And he's just like, oh, let me just take a minute because no one fucking, you know, the, the, the curve that I'm graded on is so fucking astronomical. And I'll just come back. I know what I'll do. I'll just make it seem like I'm so like smart and and cerebral that I can't even be bothered with this dumb question. It and and yeah, in in his mind, he was probably just like, you know, ah, oh, fuck, where are my car keys? Like, you know, it's so like yeah. he, there's nothing <laughs> going on, barely anything behind those eyes except perpetuating this grift. It's so fucking crazy to watch. You do have to hand it to him sometimes. He he's got it. He's, he's got it. He's good at what he does. And he's not even that good, which is the scary part. Like yeah. it's it's so transparent. Like a anybody with like half a, half a shred of objectivity would look at this and be like, "Jesus, yeah, this guy's yeah, he's totally he's not doing anything. He's not doing anything. It's just so clear to us." But the the fanboy, the like the baying horde at his feet that are like, you know, defending him and I haven't really had the displeasure of having, you know, uh, the, the dog pile or whatever on Twitter from any of their fans. You know, I pray to our dear friend Ken <laughs> to see what happens with this whole Twitter takeover thing. But like, it's just uh, it, it's spooky as shit. Terrifying. Ken has said the worst harassment he's ever gotten. The worst blowback from anything he's ever done has come from Elon Musk's fans. Like well, worse going, like, than attacking the stuff. Yeah, he said like it wasn't it wasn't just like when he does something critical of like the government or the Democrats or even Republicans, the the blowback is usually just, you know, a handful of people will message him like, hey, you commie scum, fuck you, you know, shit like that. Yeah. 
But he said the day he got a bunch of people to tweet the Ghislaine Maxwell picture of Elon Musk at Elon Musk. Oh, so he said like it was weeks and it was widespread. It was extended family members. It was death threats. It was unlike anything he had seen before. And it's so bizarre that like these people are that passionate about a guy who bought an electric car company and is really good at getting federal grants. Like that's his, you know, and he was also right place, right, right time for PayPal. Right. Like right, it's right, just, right, right. he is, he has, you know, ginned up this myth. It's, it's all smoke and mirrors. The, the fucking Starlink shit to Ukraine. The government oh paid for that. And he just got out first and was like, I did it. You're welcome. And just like now, weeks later, we then learned that it was, no, it was the federal government who did it. And no one cares after that. Like, he just he got out first. He knows how to spread it. And no one's going to go back and correct the record on all of those articles about Starlink. Well, here's the question about the all the shenanigans going on with, with Musk and Twitter right now. Because um, yeah, if you're not aware, I'm sure if you're listening to the show, you are aware. But uh, Musk bought, I think, like nine point something percent of the shares of Twitter. So he's like the Twitter's largest... Mm-hmm. shareholder right now there was talk that he was going to get added to the board of directors which then last night it broke that that's not uh gonna happen and um there's a kind of a question of like whether that was some kind of failure on his part um i think the key part of the statement um from uh, parag uh, agrawai um the ceo of twitter was talking about um not only was there this background check which he which he referenced but the fact that we needed him to, as someone, as a fiduciary of the company. Uh, and, and the quote is, like, all board members has to act in the best interest of the company and all our shareholders. And that seems to be the kind of sticking point um, that, that didn't allow him to uh, get put on the board. So the question is, though, whether he uh, got kind of rejected from this or was like whether he was like not able to get on the board despite wanting to. Or I think the converse of that is that some people believe that because as a board member, there would be a limit as to the amount of stock that he could purchase. Um, now that like that limit really isn't in place. So there is does kind of remain a possibility that if he wanted to, he could um, purchase uh, significantly more stock and perhaps like buy the company outright. Um, what, what do you two think about that? Did Musk just fuck up here? Uh, and and was he just like, was it a typical thing where he... Um, you know, talked about doing something and then made a big mess of it and then everyone kind of just moved on and he, he messed it up? Or is does he have some kind of evil design with uh, with Twitter in, in mind here? He, you know, evil design implies that he has like, a, you know, a, a five-year plan or something, right? And he doesn't. I mean, he, yeah. he lives in the moment and, and any bit of his value or whatever and his is just measured moment to moment same thing as like donald trump i think you know same guy who just like you know was in the same way that elon musk is like constantly looking at his own mentions and all that stuff you know donald trump was always like watching you know cable television news and stuff to to see what his uh you know what his worth is you know how is his how is his proverbial stock trading that day Basically, and I don't think he sees any farther than that, but I think he he doesn't have strategy, but he certainly has tactic and his tactic. I I mean, to answer your question, I think he's going to make it whatever he wants to make it uh, in the moment and whatever will behoove him at the time. And that and that no, no one saw this one. Right. Fucking. Yeah. Like no one saw this one. It's innovative. It's a hell of a move. Well, you have a lot of these kind of libertarian guys that have talked about, you know, being silenced on social media and we need a free, a truly free social media company where we can say what we want, which just like they keep on trying to start these, whether it's Gab or Truth Social or whatever Trump is doing. And it inevitably doesn't work because what those people want is access to the huge audience that's there on Twitter that just doesn't exist on these other platforms. Right. Um, and it's it's interesting that Musk is the first one of these guys to say, like, why don't we just buy Twitter in the first place? We don't have to move anything. But we can just uh, just stay here. No one saw that. Yeah. And, and further, for, just to, to depress you guys, because that's, you know, the, the rich brand or whatever. This is I just looked up to see what his net worth is. And it is 45 percent greater than Jeff Bezos is at number two. Yeah. 
That's it's all fake. That's yes. Like it's all that's the fucked up thing when you talk about Musk or Bezos. It's like he's not actually like producing a product that people are buying. It's all it's entirely based on hype and vibes essentially and just juicing this this stock market number to just go up and up and up and up um despite not actually like producing this mass producing some product that uh, like people are actually purchasing that leads to wealth like it's all just completely arbitrary yeah, like um, like bezos i understand more so because he is outside yeah. of the 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 postal service he has built like the greatest distribution uh you know uh network of convenience that like you know that there is probably outside of walmart which is like you know it just it, you have to go there basically and his model is we got everything but you don't have to go there and like you know it it, it only makes sense that he has that wealth because in in america in you know under neoliberalism everything is a market and everything needs to be privatized and he happens to own it or the majority of it he only owns 10 percent of amazon uh you know stocks anyway but in the case of like it's so clear in the case of Elon Musk, because come on, a fucking uh, a goddamn uh, <laughs> a space exploration company that crashes and then like a car company that has that literally hasn't turned a profit except for the fact that it sells its fucking electric credits. Like, it's so clearly a scam. Yeah, I don't think there's like some secret plan. No, uh, that he's he's pushing. I think it's just uh he did this. He did it publicly. He started tweeting out things that would be substantial changes to the company, to the brand, to operations. And I think it was a mix of skittishness in the C-suite because mm-hmm. he does have a history of, you know, getting entangled with the SEC. But also I do think, and I've heard rumors of internal pushback and i think the staff was furious at this that he was swiftly added to the board after buying a you know a a major stake in the company you know a lot of people were drawing parallels to carl Icahn, who's like you know the the quote activist investor yeah yeah yeah. you know goes in buys up a bunch of shares gets on the board and uh shakes things up to his liking i think they didn't want this and also like he very quickly was like yeah, I, I, there were, or there was like a, a connection to the Babylon Bee and that he had like reached out to the Babylon Bee for their suspension. <laughs> it's like I think a lot of people there were really furious that this was happening. Like he, you know, I don't really give a shit on, on people's shareholder rights or anything like that. But like he, he can do that if he wanted to. But to add him to the board immediately, I think, was a really tripped up. Uh, a lot of people inside and i think it was a combination of his his immediate tweets and internal pushback that got him removed and i th- i don't think it was like he decided not to join and i don't think there was like the quote background check was anything to do with it i think everyone knows who he is uh it, i think it was just like they gave him the opportunity to say he wasn't going to join so it wasn't like right. oh no we changed our mind and kicked him off that's like you know that's a pretty common thing like companies will just be like yeah, you can, you know, we'll we'll do a separation agreement and you can say you resigned. Ha- I mean, just look at the Trump administration. Yeah. It was full of it. Everyone was like, oh, I submitted my letter of re- resignation. No, they were fired, but they're letting you save face. Totally agree. They they rolled over immediately because they, yeah, to- they were scared. Of course they're scared. He wields so much power. Who's the, who's the top Twitter um, uh, accounts? He's got to be one of them, right? Fucking Barack Obama's number one. God yeah. damn it. Well, that's like he tweeted about this the other day. I was like, it's, is Twitter dying? Because he's looking at Justin Bieber never tweets. Barack Obama never tweets. All the biggest accounts. Right. He's number eight. I don't know what that was supposed to mean, but. He's number eight. Uh, it would be funny if Barack Obama just started lifting memes off Reddit and just posting those as well. I wonder what the reaction <laughs> to that would be. You know, and, and, and it if just. If I was advising Joe Biden, that's what I would tell him to do. Just start just start shit posting all day. <laughs> that's what's going to get the, the teens. It the, really shows. The tweens, the just, Zoomers. Just yeah. how fucking you know ideal the the thing about democrats i always think about is like most of their policy is in what they don't do and you know the fact that barack obama has the number one twitter account and just like does basically nothing with it except just you know tweet out a couple boring platitudes every once in a while just goes to show you how they're like even when they do accumulate power they're like ah come on i'm not gonna do it (laughs) yep Fucking Justin Timberlake is up there. This is such a joke. <laughs> We're getting old. The site's getting yeah. old. Yeah. 
Yeah. These guys need to get down in the shit with the rest of us. Yeah, you're goddamn Enough right. Battling you're better it than out. me, Timberlake. Uh, just, you know, battling it out with people that tweet minion gifs. <laughs> That's how I you're, get down. You're a gif sayer. Yeah. No, oh, staunchly. Man. And I know it's wrong, too. I know fundamentally <laughs> graphics does not have a, you know, have that, have that G. Yeah. I get that, but I'll say GIF. I'll stick Is to it, though? It. Like, the creator, the creator said it was GIF. Yeah, and the marketing, the marketing, when it, uh, at its rollout was, you know, based on the peanut butter slogan. It was choosy developers choose GIF to encourage people to use the, the you know, the graphics interchange format files on their sites. That's so, so funny. I don't, I don't know. I think like the people who, you know, die on that hill, like, I think they're wrong. Just like, say whatever you want. Who cares? But like, it's not necessarily wrong to say GIF. No. I they created it. They, I don't, don't they get to name their own thing? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Flat no. Flat no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I love that. <sighs> we didn't even talk about gaming. You got any gaming situations going on here, Dwight, before we sign off? Buddy, you know the answer to that. I, I couldn't give a shit. I don't have, I, I don't do any of it. It's I, none of it. Nothing. Right. Zero. We've asked him before, but I already knew the answer, so I didn't bother. Okay. Say whatever. Was it Dwight that was more into the analog? Yeah. You know, hoop and stick. That's a good one. Yeah. No, wait. No, you know what I heard? I heard you do over the weekend. What's that? From a mutual friend. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> so we saw a friend of the show. I saw Joel Birch from Amity Affliction this weekend, and he said that your hobby lately <laughs> yeah. has been, can please confirm these reports, has been tracking cargo ships. Yeah, you're fucking right I am. <laughs> yeah, you're goddamn right I'm tracking cargo ships. And he told us, he told like us why, time. and then the grim, you know, the grim reality of that. But could you explain to the listener why you're doing that and what you have noticed? Yeah, it's 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 fascinating to track. I mean, and just kind of seeing the flow of capital, it's... it's um. It's it's amazing. I mean, you know, listeners of Eat the Rich will under, will know intimately that, you know, I'm I am fascinated by, um, you know, international shipping and and cargo travel and all that stuff and and you know, ocean going vessels broadly and uh, you know, capitalism I'm a big as, vessel head. <laughs> yeah, you, you you know it, man, dude. Container ships? Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> so there's a there's a great website called MarineTraffic.com which I I frequent. <laughs> where you can Got you it. can del- you can de- yeah de- look it up uh, bookmark it now your, yeah put that in your favorites <laughs> um and you can delineate between like you know oil tankers fossil fuel vessels and then container ships break bulk carriers and then like pleasure craft you know and yachts barges and all that stuff so you know even if you wanted to have some fun let's check let's you know, I'm I'm looking right now let's see if that fucking Jimmy Johns guy if his uh, vessel is still where it is so he we did an episode on Jimmy Johns recently uh. He's an asshole. Uh, spoiler alert. And oh, interesting. So he has this incredible yacht called Rock It. Dumb fucking name. But it was not uh, when we did the episode, I guess, a few weeks ago. Uh, it was in West Palm Beach at a at a dock at a uh, at a, a, a yacht club. Now it is just east of the Bahamas. Excuse me, of Bermuda. And it's cruising outside of Bermuda. And it's like. We know where this shit is. We know where they are. We know where, like, the billionaires and capital and shit are, like, holding their assets. Because this is sitting there as, like, you know, I don't remember what it was, like, a you know, $80 million yacht or whatever it was. And we know where they're, like, holding their assets. Because this is just, it's they're just floating, you know, uh, 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 capital, right? It's just floating capital. That's It's just a way that they're holding. They don't do it because they want to go to fucking Mykonos and, and you know, have a have a freaking spritzer on the on the deck. They're doing it because it's a floating $400 million banknote. And so, like, watching how that moves as well as, like, you know, seeing how capital is moving the, um, you know, around with fossil fuels, seeing, seeing the different directions that they're going in, seeing the different ports of call. And then also, like, just watching the arbitrage of, like, comparative advantage between countries at work. Like, why are textiles coming from Bangladesh? You know, why is coal coming from, uh, you know, Western Australia? Shit like that. It's and, and then seeing where it's going, the different ports of call. It is literally watching how capital works. And the fact that it's, like, international and there's no real governing body that, like, that 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 is regulating this it, it it's only regulate regulated at the port of call to which it it, it uh, docks and and even then there's like their their own intricacies of like what what constitutes boarding you know a, a international um you know territory versus domestic territory this is how 
capital is doing their shit. Every single vessel is carrying something that someone else owns. And watching that ownership uh, change hands and, and move around the world, I think, is, you know, one of the best ways for us to understand how capital operates and operationalizes their, uh, you know, their freaking misery. So, yeah, I'm outed as being <laughs> as being literally just like tracking boats and vessels yeah. and stuff like that. It's true. I wanted to make fun of you for this, but that actually sounds kind of cool the way you described it just now. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, when 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 the freaking Ever Given uh, clogged up the uh, the um, you know the Suez Canal, and watching how the vessels that were there, it's like you know because you can see where the vessel is, where its previous port of call was, where its destination is going to be, and stuff like that, and seeing how they some turned around because they were like, hey, we can figure out. Uh, you know, a different way and the, the way that we have the, the load in the um, in the containers, you know, we can offload this at that port of call beforehand. And it's like you can see this because it's not just individual decision making. It's like watching capital itself, like the fucking matrix, like make decisions. Yeah. I don't even see the boats anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Unironically, that's how I think. Because I'm like, I, when you zoom out and you start to see like these trade routes that are no longer dependent on wind, and it's just like to where they need to go and steam towards, like then you can really start to understand how this shit works. In fact, like right now, I'm looking at a majority of pleasure craft in the Pacific is going from the Panama Canal, like across the Pacific, moving west towards like Australia and New Zealand. And, you know, what are they? Are they billionaires, like, moving some of their assets over to, you know, a country that is, you know, purportedly more insulated from climate change? Hard to say, but that's certainly kind of what it looks like as I'm trying to read this here. I'm very normal in my off time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dwight, you're a normal guy. We love having you on the podcast. We're happy to have you. Oh, man. Best compliment I have. Episode 100 of the Insurgents podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you congratulations guys 100 episodes to 100 more yeah yeah maybe maybe i don't know this, I guess, it's, this shit's hard man i don't i don't know how long we can keep it up <laughs> i just don't think we can top this one yeah that's true i'm thinking yeah. it but you said it that's right <laughs> do i do you want us to let everyone know where uh folks can find the eat the rich oh, podcast definitely definitely uh you know the the show is eat the rich um, I am flanked by my co-hosts Shane, uh, Chris, and Carrie, and uh, you know it's it's a show about uh, billionaires, multinational corporations, and other things that'll make you feel bad about yourself and others. And uh, it can be found on Spotify, you know, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple iTunes. Just look up Eat the Rich, and uh, you'll find us. Also, we're on the on Twitter at Eat the Rich Pod, and um, you know, definitely a lot of <laughs> a lot of bleeping. All right, we're trying to get better. <laughs> yeah. I, I've gotten worse. I, I'm slipping. Like, I, I things are getting too heated up for me to, like, bite my tongue anymore. So I'm just letting it fly. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. It's an honor, gents. Thank you so much for having me. All right, talk to you soon, Dwight. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban. So please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye. Goodbye.